Welcome to the show. I am Robert Reynolds, and if you are not aware, this is the GATA podcast, where it's all dog, all the time. Where you're going to hear a lot of Georgia football. You're going to hear about recruiting, the most important aspect of Georgia football, in my opinion. You're going to hear about the state of the team. Uh, You could look at way too early predictions, uh, you know, in my opinion, and my takes on anything regarding the team currently. And you're also going to hear about recent news involving Georgia football around the NCAA. Whatever the case may be, if it if it is involving Georgia football, it will be brought up. Also, on each Friday, you will hear a segment called GATA Q&A, where I go live on Facebook talking to followers and listeners and answer questions and have discussions regarding anything that wants to be discussed. So get ready. Because the GATA podcast starts right now. There was a lot that went down this weekend. Uh, I think most notably, you have to look at the Cam Newton exchange. I know that's uh, that went viral, um, and and just my initial take on this. Um, apparently, the kid got blasted on Twitter uh, from you name it, uh, anybody and everybody. Uh, and honestly, that is rightfully deserved. Rightfully deserved. Um, for those that aren't aware, uh, kid at a, one of his uh, camps, actually his camp. Um, basically was pretty much just shit-talking Cam. Um, and honestly, logically, that is a terrible look. You're at his own, you're at his camp. He's providing you an opportunity to get you to the next level. Um, even though I'm not a Cam Newton fan, he's successful. You know, right now he's a free agent, sure. That was one thing that got thrown at us in his face for some reason. But the dude was also an MVP of the league. You sound absolutely insane trying, basically trying to shit talk Cam Newton. Maybe you didn't think that it was going to get blown up. But maybe now you understand. Kids make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But as, as a human being, the thing that we need to understand from mistakes is how to grow upon them. You know, uh, since the, uh, the kid uh, offered an apology, and I think that was the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, it's just that, I know this may be a weird way to start off the show, uh, considering this is a Georgia podcast. But I think this is, you know, a life lesson for anybody that's listening. Uh, you know, if, you know, for, I, have a, I have a son. And I'm sure lots of other people listening to this show have, have kids as well. You know, that's something that us as parents 
have to understand that could happen. And I'm not telling you how to raise your kid by any means. Don't let, don't think, don't assume that I'm doing this. But that's something that we need to make sure that kids understand. Um, you know, have that sense of humility, right? Not be humiliated by any means, but have that, you know, humility. You know, look at look at the context of where you are, right? Who you're talking to. Because in this kid's case, you know, his mistake led him to literally look like an ass. Point blank made him look like an ass. I under you know it, it makes obviously in in hindsight definitely a good learning lesson. Hopefully the kid learns from his mistakes and moves on. But nonetheless, understand that we have to take everything and have some sort of humility within ourselves. This is just a lesson of that. Moving on. The University of Tennessee, good old Rocky Flop, is in shambles, in my opinion, since their investigation findings. Obviously, you lose Pruitt, you lose several other staff members, um, but it more so in recruiting. Um, you, you're looking at, obviously, you know, prior to this, you know, tons of kids have already left the program. Uh, but you had a couple more uh, entered their names. You know, a couple guys from their uh, recent class, uh, you know, were released from their national letter of intent. Uh, Dylan Brooks is, or was, I should say, their highest rated recruit. Um, you know, and, and Tennessee it made an ass of themselves uh, trying to restrict uh, Dylan from going anywhere he chose. Um you know, trying to hold him back from not going to an SEC school. Uh, only when they were basically called out for it, said, okay, you can go anywhere. And over the weekend, Dylan commits to Auburn. Um, also, their running back, Cody Brown, which is still uncommitted, uh, announced that he had been, I think late last week or over the weekend, announced that he was also released from his national letter of intent. Um, you know, don't really know exactly where he's going to go. I, I don't necessarily know if he goes to an SEC school. Uh, you know, there was a rumor that maybe Miami, which I think would be okay for him. But, you know, nonetheless, um, Cody Brown is also out of Tennessee. Um, and actually someone that may have a little bit of uh, Georgia interest, uh, Jamarion Gooch. Um Kid's a monster. Uh, six seven and a half, measuring a three fifty eight uh, as an offensive tackle, uh, three star according to the twenty four seven composite. Um, once committed to Auburn before he flipped to Tennessee. Um, this is this is something that I don't necessarily say is going to happen, um, but there is some early interest there, so it's definitely worth keeping an eye out for. But just because of the. The openings that Georgia has on the offensive line, I think definitely looking into, uh, you know, why we didn't get him at the time, considering all the ta- uh, targets that we were looking for. Um, so a lot around the uh, NCAA and obviously around the uh, social media uh, regarding back to the Cam Newton exchange. Um, but Georgia had some good news uh, for the 2023 class. Dequavius uh, Sori a.k.a. Quavo, uh, cousin of Xavier Sori, actually, uh, committed to Georgia, making him the third commit. 
um, along with Pierce Sperlin and Seven Cloud. Uh, if you're not familiar with those two gentlemen, uh, Pierce is a 6'6 tight end, uh, weighing about 218 is what's listed. Uh, Seven Cloud is a 6'3", 285-pound uh, defensive tackle, according to 24-7. So I've been saying that the 2022 class and the 2023 class are going to be, in my opinion, insane. They're going to be stacked. I think there's a good chance that in 2023 we end up with the number one class and arguably the 2022 class as well, considering how things, we'll just have to see how 2022 plays out. Uh, obviously, with the dead period going to May, you know, that's going to have an impact. We're just, I'm just curious to see what happens there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, once the dead period opens up, you know, what happens with the 2022 class, especially for Georgia. You know, right now the 2022 class is pretty much through in you know it goes through Georgia, um, and, and that's a you know, like I said that's just a product of the situation. However, you know you look into uh, Bear Alexander, the lone uh, non-Georgia commit, um, so you can see you know pieces or glimpses of Georgia expanding out. But I I seriously think that the state of Georgia is where uh, Georgia is going to find a lot of its commits this year. Um, also in the 2023 class, a crystal ball was put out for A.J. Harris, uh, 6'2 cornerback from Alabama. Um, so that's worth looking into. Uh, no rankings yet from him. Um, I'm sure as, as things go on, you know, 2023 is so far away that you're not going to see a lot of rankings on kids from at least 24-7 standpoint. So that's okay. But I think he's going to be a good target to look into uh, as the 2023 as the 2023 class unfolds. Um, also, going back to Cueva, um, Co- uh, Coach Cochran led his recruitment, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about him in the show as the show goes on. Um, but that's another, you know, that's an impressive get from him. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking forward to see it, how he's doing. He seems to be doing well on the recruiting trail, uh, and I think it uh, is only going to pick up. Also, over the weekend, uh, 2022 class, uh, you had a lot of seven-on-seven events going on um, around the country more so, but one that I'm going to stick to is the one in Myrtle Beach, uh, and it had several Georgia targets and commits, um, notably Gunnar Stockton, and from what I saw, he looked great, and you know he, he showed off his arm strength, which is no question, that's just one of his strengths. Um, but also looking into uh, throwing it, you know, throwing the ball into tight windows. That, that in my opinion, was more impressive than the arm strength. Could, you know, just because in the SEC, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have to put it into tight windows. And boy, was he doing that over the weekend. Um, also, I think you, you know, he was throwing to uh, a couple targets for Georgia and Kojo Antwi and Denylon Morissette. Uh, both of those guys looked really good as well. Um, uh, Kojo actually made a great play uh, in the end zone to catch from uh, Gunnar Stockton. Uh, really nice. Caught it through a tight window. Uh, so showing you some glimpses of the future there. Uh, maybe coming to Georgia. We'll see. Uh, also on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Smoke Bowie and uh, Groves Killebrew. Both of those guys looked really good. Uh, Bowie coming off his injuries, I think this was the first time that you could see um, you know, see him since his injuries kind of getting in some competition. 
looked very good uh, considering the injury. Uh, I, you know, I think he's solidifying his five-star status. And, and speaking of stars, I think, you know, right now, 24-7 composite has Gunnar Stockton as a five-star. However, I think, you know, this show in this week could push Gunner up to a five-star in Rivals as well. Currently a very high four-star. I, I think his showing this week, like I said, could possibly move him up into five-star status. Uh, and, and I think should push him up in the 24-7 composite as well. Uh, so that is something, if you like stars, to look into. Um, you know, but these guys, you know, you can see the current commits, obviously Gunnar Stockton being at that 24-7. You know, it ha- it should have an impact, right, on the cur- the class for the 2022 class. You know, Gunnar it has a really good familiarity with Kojo, with uh, Denylon, Oscar Delt. You know, a lot of, they've been doing these seven on sevens for years, so there's a really nice friendship and a bond right there. And I think, except uh, obviously with the 2022 class uh, being impacted as well with the you know the dead period and things like that, you know this might be something that that, uh, that benefits Georgia uh, having Gunnar Stockton and those friendships. You know. I, I think it could definitely lead to a couple guys uh, coming in, especially receivers. <clears throat> Oscar, obviously, in the fold already. Um, but, you know, grabbing a couple of those receivers that he's pretty fond with, right? I think you have to look at that. And, and I think that, you know, down the road, I think that could lead to a good things coming for Georgia football. Um, you know, and like I said, the seven-on-sevens, you're getting that experience. Um, so, you know, maybe you look at Kojo or Denylon, right? Maybe those guys, you know, depending on how the situation unfolds, they could come to Georgia. And obviously, yeah, we will gladly take them. Um, also noted, um, you know, Georgia uh, recently offered a kid, a 6'3 uh, athlete, no ranking right now, uh, Demario Tolan. Um, you know, they, I think he's projected to be, you know, Georgia looks at him as perhaps a middle or an outside linebacker. Uh, some of his tape, you see a lot of him running running back. Um, I, I do think that, you know, watch, after watching that, I think he would look better at the linebacker position. So I, under, I agree with uh, where Georgia's looking at him. Um, that's another name to look into. I think, you know, obviously, like I said, he has no ranking right now. I expect that to change as they uh, move along and update uh, rankings. Um, you know, and looking at Georgia currently, I think you have to look at who we're in the lead for uh, or, you know, in contention for. I'm just I'm just going on a couple. Uh, Branson Robinson mentioned that he you know Georgia is leading right now, and that is massive. I think that is the best running back you can get in this class. I've said it before. He's a must-have from the running back position. I think you go two running backs this class, and that's one of them that you have to have. Also, Traquan Figgins, six-two cornerback out of Oxford, Alabama. Uh, Georgia's in the driver's seat there as well. Another name that you want to keep an eye out for, I think he comes to Georgia, and we'll, we'll see. But Georgia's definitely in the driver's seat uh, moving forward. Also, Kevin Coleman, five-star receiver, uh, has Georgia included in his top eight. Uh, unfortunately, I think he, my prediction right now, I think he goes to Alabama. Um, but it's good to see Georgia in the top eight there. That's all I have for recruiting currently. Uh, so after this break, we'll come back and talk some uh, special teams. I know it's kind of a topic that not a lot of people were expecting. Um, 
you know, but special teams is really important. So we're going to talk about that after this break from our sponsors. Welcome back. You are just in time for special teams talk. A third of football that's overlooked and underrated, but it's so important. Anyways, looking into special teams from this past season, um, you know, look looking at the top, we'll work kind of way top down here. Uh, first off, obviously, uh, Scott Cochran comes from Alabama, uh, gets hired on as a special teams coordinator. Um, and, I, and so far in one year, I think that has been a tremendous hire. Uh, you know, Cochran comes from Alabama, strength and conditioning uh, for years, for years. And, you know, that's a good, a good role because you're getting to see kids uh, all the time. You're getting to see defensive players, offensive players, right? So you understand them. Um, you know, but ultimately, he wanted to dig into an on-field role. Georgia offered that. He comes to Georgia, and he's just been a huge asset since he got on the staff. Um, you know, and, and honestly, I think, and this might be just my take personally, if I would not be surprised to see him maybe move into a uh, maybe a position coach. Uh, de- you know, depending on you know who leaves, if if someone does, there may be that chance. Uh, you know, he's mentioned he wants to go up into coaching, and you know, special teams is a good start for him, I think. Um, you know, you you get defensive players, you get offensive players on special teams, and obviously, if he does well, I think you could look at that. Um, you know, moving up to a position coach, or you know, depending on where you could go, you know, maybe you look at a, a coordinator spot, right? I don't think you go you know, to a, a lateral move. I don't think you go somewhere for a special teams coordinator. You know, I think you look into, you know, may, you know, does he try to push for a defensive spot, you know, a defensive uh, position spot, right? You never know. Um, but I, I could see uh, Coach Cochran, you know, taking on a role like that. Um, you know, whether that is the case, who knows. But I, I could definitely see that. But nonetheless, um you know, looking back, I think it was a good call for him uh, moving from Alabama at that role to the special teams coordinator. Uh, I think it's just going to boost his career. Um, you know, but starting to break down, I think you have to look at, uh, you know, Jake Camarda. We're going to talk about punts. Um, so here's some statistics for Camarda. I think he did had a great year, uh, averaging 46, uh, 46.6 to be specific yards per punt, uh, 36 attempts, sorry, 36 punts. Um, you know, looking into it, his longest was 64, uh, 17 of his punts going for 50 plus, um, you know, and, and sure he may have had, um, a few shank putts from time to time. Uh, but overall, you know, I thought he did a very good job, uh, switching the field, which is, you know, a punt is very crucial to do. Um, and, and honestly, I think you, you know, look into that and, you know, obviously, switching the position, you know, field position is key there, and he did a great job, in my opinion. Um, also, eighty-seven point eight percent touchback rate on the kickoffs. Uh, obviously, he did the kickoffs, so you're looking at uh, forty-one, uh, forty-one kickoffs, and thirty-six of them went for touchbacks. Uh, unreturnable, uh, in my opinion, that's good as well. Um, you know, looking at. Camarda, I know he'll be a senior, so it'll be interesting to see who takes his position. Um, but nonetheless, I think 
um, you know, we're in good hands. Uh, moving over to the actual place kicker with uh, Hot Pod, uh, Jack Pod Lesney, um, 81% accuracy, right? Uh, one, he missed one in the 30-yard range, so ranging from 30 to 39, uh, two from 40 to 49. Uh, so he only missed three kicks. Uh, obviously, his longest was a 53-yard game winner in the bowl game against Cincinnati. Uh, and the interesting thing here that I have is, you know, he's a walk-on. Uh, you know, looking back, uh, Jared Zirkle uh, comes on scholarship uh, and gets beat out, you know, by Pod Lesney. So my question is, what happens with Zirkle, right? Um, you know, could you could you perhaps move him to a punter uh, position? It's possible, you know, because you're looking at Pod Lesney. I think Pod Lesney is, you know, is the next is is the next kicker after Hot Rod. I don't know if Zirkle can challenge that. But I think, you know, obviously you're going to have a huge hole after Camarda. So maybe Zirkle f- fills in there. You know, I, who knows? Um, but, you know, you spend a scholarship spot on Zirkle. You have to make that count, right? So my question is, and what I'm going to look at moving forward, is what happens with Jared Zirkle? Um, you know, and then kind of moving on to the return game, um, you know, we did very well when it came to kickoff returns. Um, you know, we averaged almost 30 yards of return, um, which is, in my opinion, phenomenal, um, you know, compared to our opponents, you know, which only got not even 17 yards per return, huge, huge advantage there in the kickoff return game. Um, you know, and, and if you want to be statistically here, uh, numbers, uh, 20 returns, you know, total on 594 yards. Damn good numbers right there, in my opinion. So, you know, that's just another spot of strength for the special teams unit. Um, you know, and, and Cochran, you know, opened that up. Uh, you know, obviously you're looking into, you know, who returned, right? So, Kieris did a lot of the returning. Um, you know, but some interesting things that I want to see is, you know, could anybody take over the return spot? You know, and I think you have to look into it. Just I've I listed a couple people. I'm sure you can list a couple more. Um, but what about what if Arian Smith was returning kickoffs, or you know what I mean? Um, maybe punts either. Who knows? The kid is a blazer. So I would love to see that. Would love to see that. Also, I think you maybe look at um, Lavoisier Carroll. I, I know I've talked about Lavoisier and how he can be used in uh, in the team in the role, finding a role for him, considering the situation with the running back room. Maybe that's another shot that you could look at. He's very fast too. Now he's not Arian uh, Smith fast, but still he's pretty fast nonetheless. Um, you know, and I think, you know, overall though, overall, the, the special teams unit is going to have, a big, it's going to play a big part in our success in 2021. And I think uh, Coach Cochran is going to have these boys ready to go. You know, and and I'm and I'm hoping that we have a good year out of Camarda. You know, his final uh, kicking uh, year. I, I genuinely hope that you know. For, I'd like to say that we don't have to punt that much at all, uh, compared to years past. You know, his uh, Camarda's punts actually. The attempts dropped, 
Um, so that kind of tells, you know, you look at that as a sign of, you know, efficient offense or not a hundred percent efficient, but you know, nonetheless, you look at a more efficient offense, you know, completing those, getting those third downs and, you know, scoring and whatever the case may be. So, you know, the less your punter has to punt, you know, I hate to say it, but it's, it's a good thing for the team, you know, uh, you know, cause you're, you're, well on your way to generate points and wins, obviously. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, this is why special teams is so important. Your If your punter kicks the hell out of the ball like they're supposed to do, kick it 64 yards, you're putting that other team into a really difficult situation, especially if you get them within, you know, within the 20 and down near their own end zone. And that's something that Camarda was really good at, too. So you're putting you're putting the other team's offense in a really difficult spot right away, just because of your ability uh, ability to you know to change the field. And obviously, you know if if your offense kind of stalls out, you know you have that accurate kicker. You know we I was very concerned. You know when Hot Rod left, what was going to happen? Right, I think everybody, every every single dog fan was probably worried, out of their mind. What was going to happen considering Hot Rod left? And, you know, looking back in one year, you know, it, it kind of didn't drop off. And honestly, that that's as good as a feeling that any Georgia fan can have. I know I felt good when he was making his kicks. And, and I was ecstatic. And, I, and, I, and like I said, I, I think I can speak on every Georgia fan right here. I can speak on everyone's behalf. When he hit that 53-yarder, uh, against Cincy, I was belated, absolutely belated. So, you know, I think the future is bright in the special teams room and in the unit, that unit, the the potential this year is going to create a lot of success for not just the special teams unit, but the entire team. Special teams can help an offense. It can help a defense. And I think we're going to have a great year from Camarda, Hot Pod, and I think we're going to continue to work well in the return game. And that should ultimately lead to some better uh, success within our offense and defense. Um, so enough about the special teams. Um, after this short break, we'll come back and wrap up the show. Uh, but after this, we'll come back. That is all we have for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in and stopping by. We're on multiple music platforms, and you can also find us at anchor.fm forward slash GATA podcast or GATA podcast dot buzzsprout.com. Until next time, I hope you have a great day and go dogs. <laughs>